Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. I'm so excited that you're joining us today. Today is a very special episode. Today is episode 200 of the podcast. I can't believe that I've made it this far and I'm super thankful for all your support and insight and feedback along this journey because for those who have been with me since episode one, you know that I was not necessarily good at podcasting when I started and I still think that I have uh, quite a bit to learn, to put it lightly. However, today we're in for a real treat. We're welcoming my high school best friend, Zach Conrad, onto the podcast. Zach and I are going to kind of share some insight and things that we've learned over the years, as well as a few reflections on past memories. Before we get to this podcast episode, though, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by CTM Band and CTM Recovery Products. These are the exact soft tissue recovery tools that I'm using on myself and with my patients day in and day out. CTM Band was founded by Dr. Kyle Bowling, a sports medicine practitioner who treats professional athletes, and he was a former guest on the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. You can check out his website at the link below and use the coupon code BRAWN10 to save 10% off your order from CTM Band. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you on, man. Thanks for having me, Dan. I just want to start off by saying it's it's, it's an honor and a privilege to really be here. I, I mean, the last couple of years, it's crazy how much you've been able to create this podcast and make it grow. I remember when you first proposed it to me, it, it, it really is an accomplishment to see how far it's gone now, and it's, it's exciting. Yeah, I'm pretty surprised that we made it to 200 episodes myself. I uh, I didn't think I was going to make it this far, but, you know, as I've mentioned before, there's no one else I'd rather do episode 200 with than you. You're someone who's known me for a long freaking time. And well, we've had our goods in there and we've had some times where we really didn't like each other for lack of a better way to put it. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate sharing that small town background and sharing, you know, our journeys together. You know, you've really come from a tough patch and you've really made a lot out of yourself and your life. And I'm excited for to be able to share that journey today and just for people to hear where you came from. And so starting off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for the people who aren't familiar with you? Of course. So, so a little bit of background about myself. I was born and raised in Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania, the same place <laughs> you were. Uh, I was actually born in the Susquehanna Hospital. I don't know if you were unfortunate to have uh, that luck or not. Uh, I, I, I was. So I would... <laughs> I was actually born with dislocated hips and premature neck muscles. If you saw me today, you would actually never know other than the, the goofy walk I have occasionally. Not, not the greatest posture, but uh, so so that's about it. I mean, I had okay younger years. My, my parents got divorced. When I, I think I was three and my brother was about 18 months old uh, when my parents got divorced. Um, my current stepdad, Kirk, filled in fairly young age. I think five or six months after my mom got divorced, she met him and he's always kind of been a rock and been there along with my mother and, and been real good parents and, and together with him or them and my brother have been able to, we've, we've all as a family been able to adapt and overcome. And a, a big thing in our life was kind of always sports. Like my brother and I were always sports kids when we were growing up. So. Yeah. And it was always football and track and field, I think. Right. So it, it, it varied. Like when I, when I was really younger, it was, it was man, I, football, bowling, so actually like my earlier sports ever were soccer and t-ball like those are the first two sports I ever started out playing and then I got into 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 elementary school like fourth fifth grade 
Um, got into more bowling, football, baseball. And then high school, I transitioned from baseball into track. And, and football was just kind of that one constant passion that was always there. Right, right. And do you feel like sports were kind of like your main outlet for things that were going on in life and that sort of thing? For, for sure. I mean, sports, so, so sports are, are, are basically a great foundation to life. They, they're, they're a great opportunity for you to learn, improvise, learn to adapt and overcome. You have a set schedule. You have to show up to practice every day from three to five. You have people counting on you. I'm not going to go as far as say it's a job, but it's a good pre-job job. Like, like you're there, there's people relying on you and it really sets you up to schedule and, and learn to be successful in life. Right. Right. And sports and fitness in general, we talked about this a little bit with Brian Hathaway a couple of weeks ago. It's one of the last things in life that gives you delayed gratification, right? You show up, you put in your time, put in the work at practice, but you're not going to see the results until the season comes and that's weeks away and you might not be good at first I mean we had our football season there we I think we were two and nine or something like that like I think we still have the record as like the only team to lose the bluestone uh, which is like a rivalry game back home and I mean it hurts to have that you know poor record or to lose a big game like that but, you know, if you're a young guy on the team and you see that, you got to realize, hey, this is my time. I have to put in more work now and I need to make sure the next season is better. I don't want to repeat this. You know, you remember how it feels to be on the bottom and you put your time in, you work, you grind hard. And all of a sudden you start climbing to a more successful season, a better life. And then those principles, they keep with you for the rest of your life. Right. It's not just something that, you know, you remember in high school. It's like you know, life gets hard in college or career or relationships or whatever. And you remember that you have to put the time in with those early struggles that you had. And you do the same thing then. And you find a way to get back to that winning part of life, you know. And that's exactly it. Really, you it comes down to you got to embrace the suck when it happens. You got you got to look long term and look at your long term goals and see, yes, this may not be want to be be where I want to be now. But five, 10 years down the road, this is this is going to pay dividends. All, all the work and effort I put in, no matter what, this isn't just sports. This is just in life in general. You, you put in that work now for the for the delayed gratification. And that gratification feels so good that the day it does come. And you said that you got, kind of got that in an early age from sports. But I'd also say you probably got it from academia as well, because you were a smart kid, man. And now you're an engineer, which... You know, I mean, you were taking all these calculus classes and I think, you know, more about rocks than I could tell you. Like, it's crazy. The stuff, you know, man. So, so you know, I was I, I was really fortunate growing up. My my mom was always said, like, I, I didn't come from much. My parents worked super hard to give me the opportunity to now own my own, my own business. My, my mother said this to me and, and here she is. She's like, you're going to work hard. You're going to do well in school. And you're going to succeed. You're going to go to college. You're going to, you're going to do all these great things. And, and I think the big thing is, is those people kind of looking at you and pushing you in the right direction. Like take advantage of that. If there's people willing to help, whether it be your parents, friends, family, that, that want to help you academically and in the, in your sports world. And no matter what you're doing, like seek out those people that want to help you. I, I was really fortunate. And I always had my mom as a backbone. She was like, you're, you're going to go to school. You're not going to skip school. 
you're going to do well. And you, if, you, if you don't do well, I'm going to raise hell. Like there's <laughs> no excuse for, for doing poorly in school. And, and that's kind of the approach I took to everything in life. Cause that's, that's kind of the morals and goals that she, she ingrained in me. And, and thanks to that, I, I was able to go to college and at Marietta college in Southeast Ohio for petroleum engineering. Um, there's very few schools in the Northeast that have it. And, and honestly, my best way to describe Marietta is you, you took Susquehanna, made it a little nicer and put a college in the middle of it. So it, was, it, it really was like home. Right, right. And it's nice to have that home away from home. And I mean, at the time that we're recording this, you were able to meet a special someone while you were there. You were able to play football. You are able to do a pretty good overall life at college by the sounds. Yeah, college, it, it really was an amazing time. So I, I mean, to, to go back to high school a little bit, just to kind of to get into it, I, I was really fortunate. I was a second team All-State linebacker. I, I got recruited by several smaller schools for football. Um, unfortunately, there's only one Division three school in the country that has petroleum engineering, and that's Marietta College in Ohio. So my options were pretty limited, but it was, it was a great pick. I ended up going out there. I, I played football my freshman and sophomore year, uh, kind of following my freshman or following my sophomore year, you know, my, my passions kind of changed. I think that's something that people also need to understand is your passions and what you're really into are, are, are going to change at, at college. It wasn't, I'm out here with, with the kids that I've known my entire life kind of putting on for my hometown. It was more, yeah, I go to school and take 21 credits and then also <laughs> go to 40 hours a week and put in that work of football. And, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, I, I didn't want to half-ass two things when I could whole-ass one. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, the education was, was much more important than being successful on the football field. To this day, college football, I look at as, as one of my biggest failures. I didn't have a, a great success with it. But giving it up gave me the opportunity to really excel and put the time needed into networking, building connections, meeting the people that I needed to meet to, to get internship opportunities. So, I mean, the, the craziest story I have is going into my junior year of college, I had an internship with a company called United Drilling, coming out of the, out of the blue one day. And the owner of this company is like, hey, Zach, um, I, I got your phone number. Your high school football coach gave it to a landman in New York who gave it to a guy who writes for the newspaper in Wyalusing, who gave it to me. And I, I was just curious if you wanted a job. <laughs> so I, 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 giving up football and, and giving up one passion, chasing another is unfortunately something that's it's part of reality. And, and I'm not saying you have to completely give up all passions, but you, you gotta, it's going to ebb and flow and, and you got to know what to chase. I, I think that's one of my big recommendations. Right. What did you learn from those two years that you were playing college football? I mean, I, I learned everything. Uh, a big thing was take everything that anyone tells you with a grain of salt, because uh, I'll be honest, D3 college recruiters are going to feed you a line of bowl and it is what it is, but you, you got to be a little skeptical about everything. But another thing was just time management. Like you showed up for practice every day. If you were late, you were disciplined, you were running. It's, it's, it's like a real, a real job. You show up 40 hours a week, you're on time, you're not late. And, and the people there depend on you. And there, there's no excuse for it if you're not there and, and you're not putting in 100% effort. Right, right. You're held accountable for your actions. And exactly, exactly. it's, it's to another level compared to the high school stuff, right? Like, you know, in high school, it might be like, okay, you're late. So you're going to run a lap or everyone's going to do 20 burpees and sure it sucks for like a minute, but I'm sure those college coaches try to make a little bit more of an example out of you. So, so 
something I found odd is, is being from rural Pennsylvania, where we're at, there's, there, there's not a lot of kids that really want to play football. There's, there's a lot of kids that want to wear jerseys. There's a lot of kids that want to say they're on the football team. There's not a lot of kids that want to go out there and dominate the gridiron. And when you go to bigger high schools or bigger, you don't, you don't have that because those kids don't make the team. They don't make the cut. So I, I think it's much more challenging for players from smaller schools where, where you just don't have the numbers. I think it is much more challenging for them to transition from the high school level into the college level, just, just because of the, the disparity between kind of the knowledge gained at that, at the high school level and just the, the level of competitism. Um, like there, there, there's just not as many students competing at the rural high school level at schools such as Susquehanna or Montrose or even the smaller New York schools north of us that you see at the smaller Ohio, even the smaller and bigger Ohio schools where I went out to play. And, and something I found interesting was the disparity in, in how we play football. So, I mean, here we run triple option. Um, you have so many people running the wing tee, running, running the ball down your throats. You go out to Ohio, you go out to those, those big football states, you go out to Western PA, the Pittsburgh area, it's all spread. They're going to run the ball here or there, but they're, they're going to they're gonna air it out. And you really don't have that in, in the rural areas. And it, it just shows a, a large gap, really, between your, your competitive football areas and your non-competitive football areas. And I, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I definitely felt like we're more of a smash mouth style where, you know, we got the farm boys on the front line, the offensive line, and they're going to push them back as far as they can. And we're going to run the ball, get three or four yards. and then hopefully we can do it again. And that's the whole game plan. And sometimes it works well. And well, other times it doesn't work at all. So. Yep. Yep. And to kind of harken back to something you said earlier is watching the classes before you fail, mm-hmm. you don't want to be there. It inspires you to do better. I mean, like you said, we were two and nine our senior year. It was, it was rough. It was a rough go. We had more kids that wanted to wear jerseys than they wanted to play football on the gridiron. And the, the year following that, my brother's class, who was, who was a year after us, I mean, I think they really took it to heart. They went out there, they smashed Old Forge. Like they, they, I think they ended up going six and five or seven and four, but they really took it to heart and kind of came through that adversity their junior year. I'm like, hey, we don't want to be like those guys. We're going to step it up and we're going to play big. And, and, and I think that means a lot too, kind of, kind of seeing and learning and, and being able to succeed where you've seen others fit. Exactly. And I think that's the kind of thing that when it happens, it can even push or inspire some of those other people who might be there just to, as you said, wear the jersey. They might start to feel the pull a little bit like, hey, I should probably go to the weight room today. Or, hey, I should probably run a couple extra sprints because it's going to help my conditioning when we get into the game. Or, hey, you know, Instead of, you know, going out this weekend and down in two half gallons of ice cream, maybe instead I should eat a couple bananas, a couple peanut butter and jellies, you know, a couple glasses of milk, get the calories in, but choose a slightly cleaner and higher protein option to do it. And that's exactly it. I think for all sports, not just football, it's, it's build a sense of community. Like I said, there was nothing better than going out there and playing football with the kids I'd played football with since I was eight years old against the same high schools I've been playing since I was eight years old. Like it was, it was, it was so competitive and it, it was just such an enjoyable time. Well, and, that competition I, brings out the best in you and 
those around you, right? You know, it, you... It, and yep, that's it. That's exactly it. Like that competition, it's not going to make only you better. It's going to make the whole team better. You're when, when you're competing against one another for that starting spot. I mean, you guys could like a great example. Wes and I competed against each other for linebacker for years. And finally, I ended up playing linebacker and Wes ended up playing D tackle. But that, that competition made us both great players. He had a great year playing D tackle. I had a good year at linebacker. And it's 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 going to help both parties in the, in the long run. Yeah, yeah, no, you're exactly right. And that's a great example. And I mean, you can take that and apply that to anything in life, right? As we were talking earlier, football and pretty much any sport in this case will give you the lessons you need to succeed in other areas of life. And if you take that competition thing that you had in football, apply it to other areas in life, right? Like maybe you and another person are competing in school, right? So maybe there's someone in school and the two of you are competing for the top GPA or something. Well, you know, you don't want to be the one who finishes second place in this race. So you're going to push yourself and you're going to study more and study harder and you know, put your time in and review the material and maybe it pays off and you win. Maybe it doesn't and you still finish second, but that competition made you put in more time, made you put in more work. And in that process, you probably learned a lot more than you would have if you just said, well, I don't have any competition. So I'm just going to kind of cruise through coast on by and go from there. Exactly. It's only going to make you and those around you better and in turn make your team so much stronger. Right, right. And one of the other things that I think people these days are very concerned about is finances because things are expensive, for lack of a better way to put it again. Uh, so when things cost money, people are always looking for how can I get more money or how can I achieve that financial success or be debt free? And I know in your case, you've had some financial hardships when you were growing up, but now you're at a point in life where, hey, things are kind of looking up, especially after college, having the job in petroleum engineering. And I'm just sitting here thinking that all those lessons that you've been sharing from sports and from the things that you've gone through so far, they've probably played a role in your financial success as well, because I mean, maybe you don't make it through college and maybe you don't meet the people you do and get to where you are currently if you don't do the things that you've done in your life thus far. For sure, for sure. Football and, and sports in general had, had such a huge impact on me being the person I am today. I mean, Coach Zukas, you know Coach Zukas as well. <laughs> as I do. He, he's, he's another father figure to me. He was always there through, through college. I still go have dinner with him and his wife. And, and you'll find those rocks, like being involved in sports, you'll find friends, like friends I have, like you, we've been friends seven, eight years now. Like it's, it's crazy to think that it's been that long. And it's some, someone that you can always call and rely on. Like I could call you tomorrow and be like, Hey man, I need this. And you'd be like, sure. How, how, how can I help? What can I do? And, and I think being involved in, in sports builds you, gives you the connections to have the people supporting you in life that you need when, when you get to, to college or, or to your, to your career. And, and I, I think it really helps you understand what real life's going to throw at you. If it wasn't for the lessons and the lifestyle that, that I, I developed through playing football, be, being part of different sports, different teams, and, and part of our community, uh, I don't know if I would be where I'm at today. I've been extremely fortunate. Uh, after graduating, I, I was able to network, meet the right people, 
Um, I work locally as a completions engineer for Coterra Energy, um, a, a large oil and gas producer up here in Northeast Pennsylvania. Uh, I've made, been able to pay off all my student loans. Uh, I'm able to, I, I bought a house. I'm currently renovating it, living with my parents till it's done being renovated. But it's, it, it's, it's those kind of lessons that I learned from playing football and being around coaches and the community that helped me get to this successful point in my life and, and to where I'm at today. Exactly, exactly. And you also brought up a great point with uh, Carl Zukas there. I still remember, I felt like every workout I did with him was bench press and hex bar deadlift. Uh, but oddly enough, that simple formula works. And, you know, I've gone through three years of exercise science school, three years for a doctorate degree, and I studied biomechanics and human performance. And I've got these personal trainer certs, and I write test item questions and all these different things. And all of that has taught me that simplicity gives you better results in the weight room than all this advanced crazy stuff. At the end of the day, if you can bench, squat, and deadlift, those three things are going to give you 80% of your results. And I'll even, I'll throw pull-ups in there too, because I'm yeah. very biased towards pull-ups. You do those four things, 80% of your results is going to come from that. Everything else is just the 20% icing on the cake. Like, I don't care how many barbell curls you can do or how many skull crushers or how many, you know, like eyes closed calf raises or whatever the kids are coming up with these days. Like, if you can do the basic things really, really well, you're going to be successful and have better results than the guy who's doing all these crazy, weird, wacky things that don't really have any rhyme or reason. And, and that's exactly it. I'm, I'm going to take the guy doing his, his simple compound exercises, his deadlifts, his squats, his hang cleans, his bench presses over the guy doing all the fancy stuff any day of the week. Cause that guy doing the fancy stuff is going to overwork himself, do too many exercises. Again, I, I know you're the exercise specialist. I, I'm just <laughs> kind of talking from, from what I've seen. I, I hate to say it, but you, you know, coach on, you know, our, our old timer track coach in high school, bigger, faster, stronger. It was deadlift squat bench press it's all it takes to get strong now I, i'm going to disagree with that a little bit there are other things you can do but i i think really hitting on those those whole body exercises and, and learning how how your muscles all work at the same time like how much you curl isn't going to matter on the football field now if you can go out and hang clean 300 pounds or, or squat three or squat 400 420 and, and bench press 250 300 pounds as a high schooler I mean, th those are all applicable motions and, and muscle memory that you're going to use out there on the field. Exactly. And I mean, we did a whole podcast with uh, Jared Bidney a while back and how he's training football players. And I mean, he takes everyone from 13 year olds all the way up to like Jeff Okuda from the Detroit Lions. And his formula is very simple. Like they're all doing heavy back squats, like they don't care about the whole depth. Like they don't care about like butt to grass kind of thing. They're doing box squats because, you know, if you're out on the football field, does it really matter if your butt touches the grass or not? It matters how strong your legs are and it matters how quick you are. If you're strong and you're fast, you can knock someone on their ass. So naturally he's going to make guys that are ridiculously strong. And then he's going to give them explosive movements that are sports specific his favorite is dumbbell jumps because, you know, if you're on a football field and you're jumping, you're probably going to get hit. So you probably want the ability to take a little bit more force 
than your body offers in itself. So you do the squats, you do the dumbbell jumps, you do a few basic things, and that's it. That's his formula. It's simple, but I mean, it's working for the likes of high school football players who are benching 400 pounds and squatting 500 pounds. I still wish I could squat 500 pounds. Um, and it's working for Detroit Lions players, which um, I, I won't bash on the Lions at all here. I know you're an Eagles fan. I'm a Steelers fan. But, um, you know, they're still NFL players. And if it works they're, for... They're still elite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't keep up with them. They kick my <laughs> rear end any day. I, I, I think it's funny that you mentioned that, though, because that, that, that is huge. And I think that's something that's often overlooked is, is that ability to, to really just take a hit. And, and it goes back to us being kind of from this rural area like we're just hard knocks kids <laughs> like you you play your kids from scranton and they'd run crossing routes across the middle and you'd absolutely smoke them and they'd walk back to their sideline not knowing where they're at because they got concussed <laughs> like it's it, it it really is a big deal to to learn to embrace that suck learn to take a hit and just keep moving forward get over it pick yourself up dust yourself off and, and i think that's a it's a skill learn learn how to ragdoll like that how to take a hit it, it really is an applicable skill that comes with flexibility and, and muscle memory and I, I see kids oftentimes that worry just too much about lifting and it's it's a combination you got to be an athlete an all-around athlete it's not mm -hmm. just how big I can get it's how big I can get how fast I can get how flexible am I and, and you're, you really got to be looking at your whole body not just your mass yeah exactly you know they don't measure bicep size in the NFL combine they measure the functional stuff they care if you can sprint they care if, as you said, they care if you can take a hit and you can get back up and do it again. And if you can't do those things, if you didn't build that body armor, then forget the training. It doesn't matter because you're not going to make it in the first place. Taking that analogy you gave of just taking a hit in general and applying that to life, life hits you pretty freaking hard sometimes. You know, I'm sure for you when you had to make that decision to give up college football that probably hit you in more ways than you can even imagine because football was part of your life from, yeah. you know, the very early stages, that was your outlet. And all of a sudden you've got to take 20 plus credits at school and manage all the stress that comes with college. And now you don't have your outlet. Now you don't have that thing that you go to for support and comfort. And that's probably a, big learning curve or big lifestyle change and shift for you so so it was it was a huge challenge like, like I said to this day I look back and, and and doing so poorly at college football is I'll always admit it, one of my biggest failures in life but I, I was able to build up the a good group of people around me a couple other engineering students I, I met my girlfriend at college she was always there always super supportive and and I was able to get through it and just accept and unfortunately it was it's, it's, it's part of life. Like sports will always come to an end. Your glory days will always at some point be over, but cherish the lessons you learned and the people you met along the way and never take that for advantage. Just, just learn to appreciate those that were, were there for you and, and remember those times. So it, it is tough having, having to give it up and move on. But when you have those rocks and you have those people in your life that, you know, are going to be there, whether you're playing football or not, and always supporting you. I, I really don't think I can give any, any more advice than that. Really find those people that, that want to be around you, want to be successful, want to see you be successful and, and, and be hungry with them, thrive with them and, and 
kind of build your life around them. And, and I think that's a, that's a big key to success in life. What became your outlet after football? What became that thing that you went to for, you know, those days when times were tough and you just need to let a little emotion out? I, I think a lot of it was, like I said, meeting, meeting my girlfriend in college. She really, really was a godsend. We were in the same major. We, we, she's super smart, intellectual. We understood each other super well. And anytime I was having a bad day, we'd just sit down and talk, talk about life and, and how, how our days were going and, and, and kind of chat and work through it and just look forward to the future because we, we knew no matter what happened in the future, we were going to be together and, and we, got, we got to shape our future and what we wanted our life to be. And, and that was something that I found was really exciting. Yeah, yeah. You found your one in college. That's amazing stuff. So I dare I ask when the wedding is? Uh, probably within the next year and a half. And you're going to be one of the groomsmen. So I hope you're ready. Dude, we got, I got to get into the house first. Once we get into the house, uh, I'm sure it'll come quick. So you mentioning the house again, that's been a huge project for you as well. I know. I know you were taking time off work. And you literally took it on yourself to go there and do the whole roof. You've been, you did all new insulation. I mean, you basically gutted the thing from what I understand. What's that been like? And what's that process been like? And, you know, how have all these other life lessons kind of applied to you deciding to take on that project yourself? Because I know not, a, not many people would, you know, decide for themselves, hey, I'm going to do this whole thing myself. And you know, if a hiccup comes up and I don't know what I'm doing, well, I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to do it myself. Man, it, let me tell you, it's been it's been quite the challenge. We, we didn't realize how big of a project it was when we got into it. Um, I, I, like, like I said, scheduling and, and learning how to manage your time is, is the biggest takeaway from from sports, from from athletics that I can I can ever recommend. Um, unfortunately this, the last year, the last six months to a year have been, I, I've neglected getting into the gym due to putting that time towards working on the house. But I mean, being able to manage time is, is, is huge. And, and to have the, the willingness to like in high school, I Google drills. Now I Google, how do I hang soffit? So I mean, between, <laughs> I, I had to take a week off work to rip the shingles off the roof to figure out the decking was rotted, rip the decking off to figure out the rafters were rotted. And literally put a whole new roof on it but I, I was able to use my intuition problem solving and, and just kind of solution skills developed through from being an athlete and and, and kind of always problem solving to, to apply it to to this renovation like I, we, we had to redo 30 feet of sill plate go up under it jack the house up eight feet at a time and put in new rim joists and new floor joists and it's it, it's been a crazy project that if if I didn't have the background or the mental grit or the, the patience and integrity developed from my, my past experiences through sports, through college. I, I really don't know if I would have, would have undertaken it, but it's, it, it again, gets back to that delayed gratification. Like I'm going to embrace the suck. Now I'm going to go up there two or three nights a week. My stepdad's a union carpenter has been a huge help. The Kirk's helped me so much up there, but we, we've been able to one step at a time, get it done, get it done, get it done. And that sweat equity is really going to pay off when it's done. And, and we're really going to cherish it and be happy to be up there. Yep. Just think, you know, a year from now, or maybe even sooner, you know, you're going to be sitting there with your feet up, fireplace is rolling. You got an Eagles game on the TV. Life is going to be good. 
Well, me and you're gonna be sitting in the front yard drinking beers, man, talking about the good old days. <laughs> it's the ability to say, like, this is tough. This is going to be a huge project. And I don't really know what I'm doing half the time, but I'm gonna figure it out and I'm going to keep pushing forward. And I mentioned before about the financial side of thing, you're saving tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, by doing this all yourself. And I know that you're putting in the time and you're doing a whole lot of work, but that whole process, right? The process of getting your house from where it was with rotted out boards and a whole lot of TLC required to what it's going to be when it's the finished product, that process is the kind of thing that you've learned to fall in love with throughout football, throughout other sports, throughout college academia and getting your degree in engineering, which, you know, again, that's not easy. I can't even speak calculus. I think that's one of them languages or something. Um, that stuff goes right over my head. But you know how to do it. And you've been able to teach yourself and learn all these incredible skills along that journey. You've fallen in love with the process of improving things and making things better. And now you're going to take the lessons from the things that you're currently doing and apply that to whatever comes next in life, you know, whether that's, you know, relationship type stuff or work related things or starting your own company someday. Who knows? You're going to take those things that you're doing right now and remember them and apply those lessons again and again and again. And that's exactly it. Really, when it, what it comes down to me is embrace the adversity. So our area has always been adverse for the longest time. Susquehanna County was, was very impoverished. We had agriculture, bluestone and timber. That's, that's what Susquehanna County had. And the railroad, never forget the railroad. We we, we are some of the hardest working people in the country. There's just, I I truly believe that there's just never been a lot here. And fortunately in the last 10 years, the oil and gas industry moved in and, and they were able to kind of alleviate a lot of the struggles, the, the adversity is still here. We're still those hardworking people, but the oil and gas kind of came in, revitalized the area and brought in so many new opportunities and, and growing up up here, seeing, seeing farmers who used to have to struggle to make ends meet all of a sudden getting 10 to 20 to $30,000 gas checks a month. They, they now farm because they love it, not because they have to do it. And, and seeing how much the industry gave back, and everything they've done to our area is, is, is why I got into petroleum engineering. It's, it, it, it kind of harkens back to sports. Find that community that's going to get involved with, with you. It, they're going to want to make you better and make you thrive. And that's something that I think the oil and gas industry has done a hundred folds to Susquehanna County. I, I've been extremely fortunate, went away to Ohio to college, met the right people within my company while I was at college through networking was able to come back, get a job fresh out of college during the worst downturn in oil and gas ever during the COVID downturn. And and this year I was fortunate enough to be featured in the American Petroleum Institute's State of American Energy National Ad Campaign for 2022. That's incredible. It was was super impressive. I got to being this this small town kid from Susquehanna County, I got to fly down to Houston, sit in on the American Petroleum Institute's National Ad Campaign. They had filmographers, everything. They sent people up here. We, we went and visited my high school. We talked about football. We, we, we talked about all the opportunities created in our area. And it was, it, was, it was just an amazing opportunity. And it was awesome to see how adversity up here has, has kind of 
spawned and carried over into that industry to where the people aren't fight facing as much adversity, but they're, they're still as hardworking as ever. Uh, down here, I like to say that there's some people who know what it means to grow up with calluses on your hands, and there's some people who don't. And I think that if you learn to appreciate and respect the person who's literally busting their butt around the clock to make your life easier and better, whether that's, you know, putting food in your grocery store shelves or cutting the stone that's going to form your countertops one day or whatever it ends up being. Like if you learn to appreciate that person, then you're going to gain a whole new perspective on life and start to see things a little bit differently and open up doors that you didn't even know existed. And you can take that and apply that to any sense. Like I'm talking in sense of like rural America compared to urban America, but you can even apply that to say, you know, take the school setting, right? Are you treating the principal at your school with the same respect that you treat the janitor at the school? I guess I should flip that around. Do you treat the janitor with the same respect you give the principal or the superintendent? Because there's some people that do. And I tip my hat to them because not everyone does. And it's, if you can't do that, then what's that say about your character? And that's my big thing. Like I started in a pallet shop when I turned 15. My mom was like, you're getting your working papers. I made eight bucks an hour. I did that for a year. The next two summers I spent changing septic pumps, working for my town's municipal for 10 bucks an hour. I, the way I look at it now is I've always worked a lot harder for a lot less. My, my, my family before me, I was fortunate enough to be a first generation college student. They worked their tails off and didn't have a lot. And I was taught to, I don't care whether it be the janitor or the CEO. And, and that's one way I apply to my job is I don't care if it's a roustabout or the CEO. Everybody out there can teach you something that you don't know. Do not look down upon them. Treat everybody with the same amount of respect as you would want to be treated. And, and, and I think just treating people good like that is, is a, a huge part of how people should look at life. It's a, a great example is me being from up here. I'm, I'm very patient with people. I, it, it is what it is. Where, where my girlfriend's from, it's, it's, she's from a small town called Hudson, Ohio. I'm, I'm sorry if any of you, uh, any of your listeners are from Hudson, Ohio. But it's, to, to me, just instead of the community kind of look into their neighbors and be like, how can I help these people? It's, it's what can I do to one up these people? And it's, that's not a good way to look at life. It's, it's always how, like I'm, I'm super fortunate. How, how can I give back? Uh, what, what can I do to make my neighbors, my community, my, my school better? And, and to kind of stem off of that, I, I think a big thing is if you're if people that have been athletes that have been involved, that have developed these work ethics man, get involved in your local politics, see what you can do to help your community. Um, th this year I was elected to the Susquehanna County Republican committee. I'm on the town council. I'm on the town's municipal board. Put yourself out there and be, be grateful that the people around you and your community have, have helped raise you to be the person you are and, and look at yourself and say, what can I do to give back to my community now that I, I've gotten to this point? Right. There's a great quote from uh, John F. Kennedy a few years back. Uh, well, more than a few years now, but um, it was something along the lines of ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I think a lot of people have forgotten that, that they can be, you know, giving more and supporting more in an effort to help those around them succeed. And you never know what that person standing next to you or sitting next to you is going to turn out to be in life. 
I think back to, I think it was around episode 77 or 78 on the podcast, where I had a good family friend, Joel Bennett on, and we shared his life journey too. And, you know, Joel growing up, he grew up in a trailer park. His parents couldn't afford a baseball, so he threw a rock at a tree. And I don't think many people expected Joel to walk on to City Field in a Philadelphia Phillies uniform, but he did. He went from that little small town trailer park, Windsor, New York, all the way to City Field for the Philadelphia Phillies in a Phillies uniform, right? He made it. He roommate. He was roommates with Tim Wakefield in spring training, like the Tim Wakefield. And if anyone knows baseball, like, you know, that guy is the best knuckleballer ever. And it's just crazy to think of the stories and, you know, throw yourself in there too. I mean, this whole episode has been mostly about you, like just crazy to think of the stories that can come from the places that you least expect it. So never be the one to count someone out just because of what you see their current situation as. And instead, try and look at people for the potential of who they can be and what they can become. And if you're that person who can help enable that for them and encourage them and motivate them and inspire them along their journey, then you're going to live a much more satisfied life than the person who is trying to break them down and deteriorate them and knock them off path. It, 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 exactly. And, and, a, and a great example of that is a freshman year of high school, there was a kid I'd never met you, you never met me. There was a kid on the football team that had us feuding between each other, even though we never met each other in person. And then we finally got the example to meet each other in person after already having this derogatory idea of the other person. And then we met and we're like, hey, man, this, this kid's pretty cool. Like, I, I want to hang out with this guy. And and we didn't look each other as, as rivals anymore. We kind of looked at each other as, as almost brothers. Like we we shared stories, we shared experiences and adventures and, and, and we were able to hang out and bond and, and really make awesome things happen. And, yeah. and I know you just brought up that this is, this has been a lot about me, but a, a big part, I wouldn't be where I'm at in life if it wasn't for you and your family and, and being around you guys in high school. You're one of the friends that I've had most constantly since sophomore, junior year of high school. Like, like I said earlier in the podcast, you're always if I need anything, I know I can text you and you'll be like, what can I do? And you, you know, the same thing from me and, and kind of getting back to what we said earlier is find those rocks in your life and, and you and your family are just good people that treat everybody well. And, and it's, it's awesome to have had the opportunity growing up to, to be around you and your family. Appreciate that, man. And, you know, I still think back to times where like we were basically locking ourselves in the garage and just lifting weights for hours and hours and then we'd go inside and grill something even though it's like December and snowing yeah. out but the grill's going or um, you know there's some summer times where you came over and we were doing crazy workouts and you know we would go and grill speedies because chicken speedies are an essential part of any successful athlete's diet and if you've never heard of them, then you need to get to Binghamton, New York. And, you know, you need to try them out because they're just absolutely fantastic. But um, and even just between football two a days, rolling down to Fred's Market and crushing chicken patties and those pints of milk that were Dude, that, that way the too chicken cheap. patties and the quarts of milk. Man. I'm telling you, that, <laughs> that's what makes their successful Susquehanna Sabres football player. You heard it here first. Yeah. Chicken and chocolate milk. That's the secret to success. Well, um, I 
I, I think that was the big thing. We kind of recognized the passion and drive in each other. And I, I think we kind of knew that we were both going to be successful and we were, we were going to do whatever it took. We, we had that drive. We're going to go out of our way to in, embrace the suck and make amazing things happen. And the, the fact that, I mean, this is your 200th episode and it, it, it truly is amazing. And I know I said this earlier, but I really am grateful to be here and, and I'm really proud of what you've done, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. And I really appreciate your time and all the things that you've been doing. And, you know, you are absolutely crushing it in life. And as we've talked, I know it hasn't necessarily been an easy journey, but it's been a journey that's giving you so much to be thankful for, so many awesome insights. And now you're able to take that and apply that to, you know, your own life, but also inspire other people along their journey. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts or closing remarks that you really want people listening to remember? I, I think my closing remarks are really don't take anyone for granted. Um, you would not be, no, nobody successful is where they're at because of just themselves. Every single person was given an opportunity by someone much older and wiser than them. And then they were then able to take advantage of that opportunity to get where they're at today. Be willing to network, be willing to put yourself out there and, and really 100% attack what you're passionate about. Go after it, chase your dreams, take advantage of these opportunities, but never forget where you came from. Remember the people that helped you get to where you're at. Keep in touch with them because you never know where they're going to be at. And someday you may be down and out. You may need a job. And those people that you helped along the way may be able to help you and vice versa. Could not agree more. Zach, for people who want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Are you on social media or MySpace, or should we just kind of communicate via Morse code for now? Or? <laughs> so, so I'm on Instagram as xzxcon, C-O-N. Uh, I really don't use my Instagram a whole <laughs> lot anymore. Um, you can add me, go ahead and add me on Facebook. I'll get back to you. Um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn at Zachary Conrad. It's, it's me uh, back in the old days, I know, six years ago when I was pipelining, I got a hard hat and black shades on. <laughs> So, but I, I'd say those are probably the, the best places to reach out to me if you got any info. And if anyone listening wants to get into engineering or wants to look into the oil and gas industry, feel, feel free to reach out. There's, there's tons of jobs and tons of opportunities. And I, I would love to get to talk to passionate people about what I do every day. I'm sure you wouldn't mind giving advice to a linebacker or two in there if you could, right? As, as, as much as I could, I, I would love that. <laughs> For sure. Well, Zach, man, it's been great to see you again and great to catch up and really thankful for your time, man. Thanks for having me, Dan. This has been great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you've liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.